Matthew 15, 9 has been a kind of a theme of chapter 22. Read it from the screen with me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. How easy it is for us to take something that maybe we kind of see in Scripture and then begin to add some of our own things or take away some of the things to make it our own. Saying that this is what God has said, and yet, if we truly examine the scriptures, it's not. When it comes to the worship of God, it's something that we see a lot of man-made creation. Things that we think are the worship of God, and yet it is many times just self-serving and self-worship. It is not actually worshiping God himself. We've seen over the the last weeks that God himself has prescribed how he is to be worshipped. And the the heart mindset behind it. And uh, tonight we come to what can often be a, a topic that we, we wrestle with. We wrestle with, but I want us to see as we've been looking in past weeks, how the good God has given us, the ways to walk in his ways as a blessing to us. That when we think of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, when God said, you may eat of any tree of the Garden of Eden, but you'll not eat of this one, we often question the character of God and say, well, God, why can't this happen? And we forget about the good character of God to give us what he has designed to be the best. And I think that's a great principle when we think about how God is to be worshipped. We think, well, God, you're just restricting us. But there's a reason why he's done it. And not to see it as the restriction, but the freedom that he's given us and the beauty of what he has created. When it comes to how God is to be worshipped. Sometimes we can find great, um, great understanding and agreement. But when it comes to the day and how we're to use the day, specifically the corporate gathering, that's where it begins to hit our flesh more than any place. To say that God is worthy to be worshipped, we can agree to. But to say that God has called us to set aside one in seven, then we begin to say, Lord, you're taking away that which was mine. But I want us to see tonight that it was never ours in the first place. From all of creation, God has designed one in seven to be set apart for him. It is his. And what a great joy it is to not look at it as a negative thing, but as a positive thing. Look at paragraph 7 with me, whether on the handout or on the screen. As it is the law of nature that in general, a proportion of time by God's appointment be set apart for the worship of God. So by his word, in a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, he is particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him 
which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week, and from the resurrection of Christ was changed to the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day, and it and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath, to the observation of the last day of the week being abolished. I want us to look at the day of worship. Exodus 20, 8 to 11, we see the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Again, we we see the fourth commandment here. And I want us to see, first of all, that this commandment is a commandment or a law that is rooted in nature, in creation. We see even as God gave the fourth commandment, the reason for it is given to us. For in six days, the Lord created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh, he rested. There's the, there's the showing the direct connection between setting one day aside from the others to follow the pattern of God. God himself resting on the seventh day. It's rooted in nature or creation itself. And it is a moral command. It is written upon the heart of all mankind. We see that again in the creation account But we see, as Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 16 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law is written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. No no matter where you go on earth, there are realities seen, whether we realize that or not, the moral absolutes that God has given and has written on our hearts. And the day to be set aside is reflected in the moral command of God. The Ten Commandments are a summary of the moral law. And tonight, we're not going to be able to fully cover this. If you want to go back and look, what was that, a year ago, Gary? May, a year ago, May. We, we spent six weeks looking at this topic. And, and what we're trying to cover tonight is far broader. But what we see is that all of the commandments of God have a, a root of a heart to honor the father and mother is to honor the authority of God, which is supreme. To do not murder is rooted in man being created in God's image. All of them are rooted in something greater than just a statement themselves. And the Ten Commandments are a summary of the moral law. It's interesting that we often argue about posting the Ten Commandments in various public places and yet we deny the one commandment 
Why don't we say we need to post the nine commandments? And yet we, we see that these are things which God has written on our hearts and they are eternal. That this command is moral in its nature, but it also, like the confession uses that phrase, it is a positive command. Now, it's not talking about, hey, this is a positive command in that the opposite is negative. This is a phrase that is used, that it's something that is given by direct, clear command. Meaning that this isn't just assumed from Scripture, but that, gen, that excuse me, it's not assumed from nature, but it's given by special revelation. That this is a command that was given clearly. We would not necessarily have known inherently the one in seven. Though we see it in creation, we would not have known it if God did not reveal it to us. Again, the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would not have necessarily been known to be wrong unless God clearly stated it. The eating of pork under the old covenant was something that would not have been known just through creation itself. And so what's unique about this, this commandment is there's a moral nature and there's a, 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 a positive nature. One, the moral nature never changes, but the positive command can change over time. For example, one of the commands of God does change slightly. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, that your days may be long Upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. What is, the, what is the moral nature of it? To honor. What is the positive command? The promise, speaking of the land of Canaan. How does this change? The Apostle Paul himself gives us the change. In Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live, what? Long on the earth. Speaking of all of creation, where the command given to a specific people, to the covenant people of God in Israel was specifically speaking of the land of Canaan the moral nature of it continued but the positive command the promise that was attached to it was expanded was changed the moral did not and so this lays the foundation for where we see a command of God changing here but this is a perpetual command for all mankind and for all time That's where we have to say the command, the moral command continues forever, but the specifics change. That's why we worship on the first day of the week. We don't hold to the seventh day because of the change that took place. Again, the natural or the moral aspect of the command is that God is worthy to be worshipped. And there is a proportion of time that he is worthy of, that he is worthy to be given And the positive aspect of that command is that it is one in seven. And that God set it out to be the seventh day. That he set it apart. Again, based upon creation. But we see that that changes. It changes from the seventh day to the first day. 
as the confession states in it, that from the old covenant, the old from creation to, um, to the resurrection of Christ, it was on the seventh day of the week. But with his resurrection, we see it changing and being called the Lord's day, also called a Christian Sabbath, on the first day of the week. I was thinking about it even this morning. What day of the week was Pentecost? You have to do math. So if Passover was on the seventh day of the week and 50 days later, what day of the week was Pentecost? You mathematicians? So seven times seven is 49. So what's one extra? So it's not, fr- not Saturday, but what? Sunday, the first day of the week. We, we see even with Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, that there is something unique about this first day of the week that was different in the old covenant, but in the new covenant has a beautiful new picture that we've never fully seen in its beauty. That no longer are we looking back to the week that has been, but we're looking ahead to the week that is yet to come. We're not looking back at at the old creation. We're looking ahead to the new creation and the uh, consummation of all creation. Boy, so much for my notes. I totally jumped everywhere. But uh, kids, if you're wondering where we are... uh, I apologize, but uh, what we see in that change are that we do still have the duties, the day to stop our normal activities. For God has given us six to use, and not to say, well, God, you've taken one away, but to look and to say, how have you given me the six to be a blessing, to use within the means that God has given us, but to set aside a day, a day for worship, That he is due, both individually and corporately. A day that, as Isaiah 58 says, a day of delight. Notice that the prophet writes in Isaiah 58, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. Do you see that this is a, a, a passage that is speaking about the goodness of this day? Not the drudgery and the dread of a day. But it is also a day that we get to look ahead For every day we take a break, or every Lord's Day we take the break, it's a reminder that on Monday we're not there yet. When we wake up Sunday or Monday morning, it should be we're not in heaven yet. And it should cause us to long for the day when we're in heaven, that the worship of God will no longer be limited to a day and time, and the labor on this earth will be done. We do see in Christ's examples that it is a day to do um, our necessary tasks and our merciful tasks. The things that um, are required of us and those of mercy. Those were the times when Jesus was taken, um, uh, not taken, was uh, confronted by the religious leaders. 
And he says, would we not show mercy whether oxen is stuck when he healed upon the Sabbath? He says, we can use this day to show mercy. For in its creation, it is a day of mercy for us. For in, in slavery, the nation Israel worked seven days a week. For they were under the bondage of Pharaoh. But as they were brought out, God blessed them and said, Six days you shall work, and on the seventh day you shall rest. It is a great day that we can use to use in a matter of, of the glory of God. But at the root of it all, it comes down to our heart. We can take on the attitude on one side of the Jewish people to create our Sabbath checklist And therefore, we can't do this, and we can't do that, and we have to do this, and we have to do that. And we think that the keeping of it is all about the externals. But yet, where is our heart? We may be externally obeying the commands, but in our hearts, we're not. In a sense, we've broken the command. Or we can be on the other side saying, it's all of grace, I can do what I want. But I pray that we can see that God has given us something that is good. It, it does great against us to say, wait, I, I, I should use this in a, in a different way than maybe I've been used to or that I necessarily want to in my own flesh. Yeah. But to think of how our gracious Heavenly Father gives us good things. And the way that he has designed our life to work and his law that he has given us is a good law. It is a good law that we can find his blessing in. Even when it makes us a little uncomfortable, we need to say, Lord, I'm uncomfortable in this, but help me, as Isaiah 58 says, to delight in this day. To use it for your glory, for use it for your honor, to find the delight in it. And so this day is given to us to be a day to delight in God himself, to spend it in the corporate and individual worship of him, taking delight in practicing the one another's with his people. Do we see it as a good day? Do we see it as a blessing from God, a day to delight? I pray it is. Let's pray. Lord, I confess there has been much that you have taught me on this topic in recent years. And Lord, my heart has not always been right, nor is it right. Uh, There is so much yet to still be uh, scraped away of myself. But thank you that you are a good God and that you give us your law that is good, uh, that you have given it not to take away the things of that of joy in this life, but to show where true joy is found in you and the way that you have created things. Father, I pray that the gathering of, of the saints would be a place that we long for, that we would use your day, the day that you have set apart as a unique day, a, a day to delight in you, to delight in the gifts that you have given, Lord, to worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength.
God, I pray that you would help us to examine our hearts on this topic. Lord, that you would protect us from heartless, um, rigid uh, obedience to external commands, and that things would flow from our heart of love for you. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.